Welcome to episode 239 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. And this week, we've got an interview with the lead singer of the band Roxanne. Awesome. Right on. Yeah. We had a good good conversation with him. I really liked it. Yes. Yes, it was a good one. Yeah. We're going to talk about a little bit about that band and what's going on and get you that interview here in just a bit. But first up, we got to let you know something, and that is that we are sponsored by MedFarm and DEB Concerts. MedFarm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma at 24683 East Highway 51. That's just about a quarter mile east of Onita Road, right off Highway 51. Can't miss them. They've got a huge selection. They've got a doctor on site every Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. if you need to get your medical card. And if you go in there and you tell them that we sent you, or you heard about them on here, or you just mentioned Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your order, which is very cool. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram, because they're also always posting other specials, like 20% off of certain items. So get in there, check that out. Follow them at MedFarmOK on Instagram. Facebook is MedFarm, and that's P-H-A-R-M. And their website is MedFarmOK.com. And their slogan is cannabis with a cause because 30% of their proceeds are going to help build no-kill animal shelters. Hell yeah. Yeah, we love it. And they're getting closer. They announced recently that they have the land and a building, and now they're just working on getting that building set up to turn it into a shelter. So that's one thing that we definitely need more of in not just this area, but all over the country. So props to them for that. We are also sponsored by DEB Concerts. A promoter right here in Tulsa that we know and we love because they keep bringing in bands that we know and love. Oh, man. The best shows. Yeah. Like the time that we saw Saxon earlier this year in downtown Tulsa. At the IDL. That's right. Holy crap, dude. Yeah. Besides that, a ton of great other acts. Tom Kiefer, Sebastian Bach, Dokken, Warrant, L.A. Guns, Junkyard. Kicks, Winger. Oh, of course. Firehouse, Warrant. Yeah. Can't forget those. All these amazing shows and many more at the Ideal Barroom. And coming up here in just a few days this weekend, Saturday, November 23rd, Vixen and the Iron Maidens, along with our good friends in Down for Five opening that show. Hell yeah. That's going to be killer. All three of those bands are great. If you're not familiar with the Iron Maidens, it is a all-female tribute to Iron Maiden. So that will kick ass. As you know, because these aren't, this isn't just some band that formed and said, let's play some Iron Man songs. These are top shelf fucking musicians that are playing Iron Man songs. That's right. And we're going to be there at the show. If, if you, if you see us, uh, and you can tell us the name of Bruce Dickinson's band he was in before Iron Maiden, Trent will buy you beers all night long. You son of a bitch. There's like people listening that know that answer right now. Hey, it's it, or they have enough time to Google it. So first come, first serve. <laughs> That's right. It's it's already been laid down on tape, so you have to do it, Trent. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. And then Jason will be geeking out when they play Empire of the Clouds. Oh man, well that'd be great. They could just play that and go home. I'd be okay with it. There's probably a high probability that they won't, but I'm just throwing it out there in case they don't. Well, you know. Man, wouldn't it be cool if they played Can I Play With Madness? And they might. You never know. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, let's hope so. Right? But yeah, Vixen as well. 80s rock. They kicks ass. And then Down For Five, of course, as we said, kicks ass. If you're not familiar with them, look them up. And you can get your tickets from them and save a few bucks. Save the service charges. Don't have to pay those if you go through Down For Five. Of course. And you can also buy tickets at the door. This is at the Ideal Barroom in downtown Tulsa. It'll be hosted by Eddie Trunk and brought to you by DEB Concerts. That's right. And DEB also books a stage at Rocklahoma for the past, this will be the third year, I think, but the last year, or the third or fourth year that they've sponsored a stage, the second year that they are booking all the acts okay. on the DB processing stage in the Roadhouse area. Last year they had a Ace Freely, Lita Ford, Bisto Blanco, Slaughter, Jason's band Zen Hipster, 
and with quite an interesting set that we don't need to go into right now. We're going to recap it right now. No, for God, <laughs> let's not, please. <laughs> we had the Normandies, Solidify, Rocket Science, Poster Child, a great long list of bands, and I'm sure this year will be no different. In fact, just a couple nights ago on Surviving Rocklahoma, they announced, Doug Burgess was the guest on there with Adam, and they announced 10 of the bands that are going to be playing this stage. Including what? Fist of Rage and Travis Bond. And why is that all I know? I haven't seen the other... No we one, know them, no but one. we're just not saying them because you need to go listen to Surviving Rocklahoma. Okay, that's why no one's put the list up yet. Yeah. Go listen to Surviving Rocklahoma if you want to know those other eight bands. All right, will do. I'll do that. <laughs> but no, that's a great show hosted by Adam Richmond. If you're not familiar with it, Google them, or not Google them, search them on Facebook and follow them. They go live every Sunday night. Great stuff. So cool to get that announcement. And you can still send your EPKs to the DNV processing stage. No, you can't. Or they closed it off? Yeah, I saw a post the other day that closed it up. Well, that probably makes sense on why they announced 10 of the bands then. I mean, hello, Trent. <laughs> hello. I didn't see that post. <laughs> Stay with me here. We're working. Come on. All right. <laughs> so soon enough. You know, we're going to announce all those bands, along with, I'm sure, the rest of Rocklahoma when that comes out. Of course. Yeah, so be looking forward to that. But a huge thank you. Wrap this part up to DEB, DEB Concerts. Yes. All right, let's uh, play some music before we talk about a couple things. Okay, sounds good. What should we play? Uh, let's play some Steve Forst. All right. A guy that was in Forbidden Serenity. I think he did some uh, stuff with Joint Effect. Uh, and he's got some solo stuff. So, uh, uh, what's the song called? This is called It's Your Turn.
Your Turn from Steve Forst. His new solo music. He put some stuff out here on Reverb Nation. You can check out. He posted some of these songs recently. We heard him. We loved him. So we thought you needed to hear some stuff too. That's right. Uh, ReverbNation.com slash Steve Forst. Uh, great Tulsa music. Uh, definitely, definitely uh, give it your attention. Um, and he's also doing an acoustic set at the Mudflux CD release party on Friday, the 13th of December at Badass Renee's. That's right. So, uh, yeah, get into all that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that acoustic set from him. I'm sure it'll be pretty badass. So, if you're in the area, get your ass over there and check that out. Of course. I have no excuse. I'm like two minutes away from that place. That's right. You're Like a minute. Yeah, you're like just a little over a mile away. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, but you're coming with me. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. I have an excuse. I'm like 20 minutes away. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> that's not I, an excuse either. I demand it now, sir. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> and we love Badass Renee's. It's a great place to see a show. Of course. So, yeah. I think one thing we need to talk about is Motley Crue, probably, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's. God, we could go a few different. There's so much going on. There's a lot of stuff hitting. We'll see. By the time I doubt, I doubt by the time this comes out, that that tour will have been announced. So we don't oh, have to no, worry about yeah. that. That's probably still another couple weeks away. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But it's officially announced that they're back. Yeah, and and there's that there is Monday. a there is a tour. They just haven't really talked about the details of it. Right. And so all the the rumors and there are like legitimate sources posting this as a thing. Yes. Like I'm talking like Loudwire, Metal Hammer, Rolling Stone that are saying sources close to it or whatever outside of the Black Crows manager have said <laughs> that Def Leppard, <laughs> Motley Crue and Poison will be touring together. Yes. And someone along the way, I don't know if it was Def Leppard, I mean, uh, Black Crows manager, someone said stadiums. So like now that's like, Part of the whole uh, yeah. aura of this thing, which that's a question that I was going to ask you, or you're going to ask me. I don't know. Do you well, think that, do you think this can fill stadiums or no? I don't. Okay, that's no, what I, I think. I don't. I yeah. don't. Don't get me. I mean, sheds in the summer. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. Sheds in the summer. I mean, it'll fill it up. But stadiums, there's no way. Um, but see, here's the thing. I, I mean, in arena, Jesus Christ. Uh, Metallica at AT and T that wasn't even sold out, was it? If it I mean, were seats it was, way up there that were empty, this isn't going to be fucking. It was pretty close to it. Yeah, I, I mean, but still, I mean, both but, that and Guns N' Roses looked pretty, pretty full. Yeah, but so I don't, I don't know. I just don't know that. It, but those bands are another is, level than. Yes, exactly. I just don't know that this is a stadium thing. Well, see, the thing is, with an arena, you've got Def Leppard, who usually takes, you know, good like-minded support acts with them. Yes. And they've done, obviously done joint tours with bands like Kiss and Brian Adams and whoever else, Journey recently. Yeah. You know, that helps as well. But even when they're by themselves, they can get close to filling up a 20,000-seat arena. Yeah. As if Motley Crue came back, as they are, and said, we're going on an arena tour, they could easily fill up arenas. Yes. But so you put these two bands together. That doesn't mean now you've got 40,000 tickets. You've still got the same 20,000 people that would have went to your show, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I you mean, add Poison. All... That makes it a that makes it a good draw because you got three of the biggest bands from the 80s rock era. Yes. I mean, outside of Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi, that's pretty much the only other things that was big or bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I and it, what was it? Something like you said earlier. If they really did want to do stadiums, they should get Bon Jovi. Right. But you know, we know Bon Jovi's not going to fucking do that. Yeah. If, um, if, you, if you had Bon Jovi on that bill, he's too busy, you know, with his gray hair and looking like a college professor. <laughs> but the th- hey, you, you know, can look that way if he's got Richard Sambor on stage. That's what I said. Well, yeah. But and the thing, you know, <laughs> but he doesn't. Uh, and that's fine. You know, that's that's good. But I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, just I mean, don't I think, think you're think pushing this it. Can fill, and 30,000, maybe. Like, we've seen little things here and there that uh, there's a fourth band that no one's talking about. Yeah, but that's But not, that's got to be a smaller one. Yeah, like I don't, I don't see whatever, that as being on the Motley Crue Def Leppard level. Yeah, yeah. Or even the Poison level. I see it 
you know, we mentioned, I think Tesla is an obvious choice because yeah. they've toured a lot with Def Leppard and they're a good opening band for that. Those other three, like a Tom Kiefer kind of thing. Yeah. yeah that would be, that would be cool. Cheap trick. Yes. Yeah. Or like you, you said something like Hailstorm or Pop Evil. Watch it be something like that. Yeah. That really wouldn't even. But I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's an instinct to say that, but I think that would be something that like Motley Crue would do if they're touring by themselves. Yeah. I because get that. That, that, that's not really a draw when you have three bands from the same genre, genre the same era, decade, yeah. that draw the same crowds. Yeah. Um, and, and and I also want to want to get in here. You know, yes, Motley Crue's back. All that shit about a contract, calm your dick. It was just a gimmick. It was just a put on. There's no, there was no nothing signed. It was all just to get, it was all to get your money and God damn it, it worked. Right. And now they're back. And I've seen rumblings of a few people here and there pissed off. You know, I was ripped off. I was told that it's like, you should know that nothing ends. Right. Okay. Nothing ends. Nothing is ever over. Look at fucking, look at, look at Foreigner. Right. You know? So, uh, you know that if they can, they will, and they are, so. Right. And it was all worded very carefully back then oh, to yeah. where they could do this. And it's like, well, I mean, we and talked about. they don't about, even have to word it care- carefully. Oh, right. Anyone can do anything they want nowadays. We know that. Even Absolutely. if you like it or not. But. I mean, we've talked about this at tons of times on this podcast with Motley Crue, like two years ago. Who mm. knows when it was? But it's like, yeah. I mean, I always assumed that they. I didn't, you know, think that a full-on tour would come at this point. I just always assumed they would come back, and it would be okay. like. Remember, we talked about them doing like a residency in Vegas again. Yeah, I always thought they'd be or like Motley Crue, like a one-off at Download or some shit yeah. like that. You know, that like overseas or like. They're playing a show in L.A., New York, Chicago. Like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. Motley Crue events like three, four or five throughout the year, you know. Yeah. So it's not really a tour. But, you know, hey, like you said, they can do what they want. Yeah. And here's the thing. It, it, I, I, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It uh, doesn't matter what anyone thinks. This is good our or podcast. Bad. It matters what we think. Okay. Well, okay. there you go. But Not really. It, <laughs> and this is such a great fucking bill. Oh, yeah. I mean, people are just going to go and have fun, so more power to them, you know, whatever. Anybody that's that knows me, you know, whether it be listening to this podcast or knows me personally, knows that I've been running my mouth about Vince Neil for like fucking 15 years. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and I've always said I love that band, but I just don't like them live because of him. But this is a great thing for fucking rock and roll. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. You know, I would go to the show if it was close by, even though I've seen Def Leppard and Poison in the double digits for both of them. Yeah. But I would, you know, I would love to go see him again. And I would leave before Molly Crew, and that's fine. It doesn't matter. There you go. You know, it, you know, and they could be, I, I would assume it's probably rotates if it's Molly Crew or Def Leppard, you know, headlining. But yeah. Or it's probably the same time. But anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to go. And that's just because. I mean, I would love to see Def Leppard again. Out of the three of them, that's that's the the one band I could never get tired of seeing. Uh, but you know, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of not worrying about huge, gigantic shows this year, anyways. Just because right. everything's so overblown and so overpriced, and so you know, y- y- you have a fear of missing out to the point where you're just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to save your money for that Rage Against the Machine show. <laughs> Shit. I mean, there's another one, you know, <laughs> and, and fuck you, okay? <laughs> no, just kidding. But I mean, it's just like, there's so much shit and there's so much, so much money and there's, you just don't know what to do. And, you know, just other stuff that you, that, that you go through in life. And, you know, that's just kind of a thing for me that, that I've kind of, you know, loosely, put out there is, you know, next year, I'm just kind of, I'm not really into like gigantic, huge shows, you know, I'm just Metallica did some shows nearby. That, and that's the one thing. That's, <laughs> and that was, and I was literally about to say that too. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> me, me and Melissa talked about all this and I'm like, now if Metallica came out and did this one off thing somewhere, or they did a, a surprise us run, 
all that goes out the fucking window. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, but other than that, yeah. So, but, but I think, uh, you know, I, I just don't like the, I, I don't like the negativity. You know, it's just a fun bill, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and everyone's, oh, cash grab this, cash grab that. Well, no shit. of course, it all is. The whole thing is. Their, their last uh, tour it, five it, years ago was a cash grab. No what the shit. fuck are you talking about? And it's like, you know, uh, and kiss the end of the road. It's not the end of the road, but fuck, if, if that's your thing, go see it. I don't, you know, same with rage. I mean, that, and that's a whole, oh, it's an election year now more than ever. No, it's a year for you to make a lot of fucking money. Yeah, it, it, but it coincides, same, which is great it for just him, happens, but. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the same time, people fucking love that band and they don't really play out that often. Right. So if you're a fan, man, fucking go and have a great fucking time. What a show it's going to be. Right. So, you know, well, there so you go. I was looking at my phone while you were talking and breaking news is that this tour got announced and the fourth band is Ugly Kid Joe playing Menace to Sobriety in its entirety you're, to open the show. You are lying. With Shannon Larkin of, back in the you, band. You are lying out of your teeth. No, shit, it happened. Yeah, okay. You heard it here All first. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, you know who would be, would fit this bill very well as a fourth band? What? Roxanne. They would. They would. What a great segue. <laughs> right. They could open up with Go Fuck Yourself, too. That's right. Right? Yeah. Dedicated to the the ghost of Vince Neil's vocals. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, we're never going to have anyone from Motley Crue on this podcast. If they've ever listened to this podcast, we weren't in the first Oh, yeah, place. yeah. We, we, were, we were probably no. banned in the first week. Mick Mars would do it. Yeah, he would. He, he's, yeah. No, but hey. we will have John Krabby on here, so there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Which, speaking of, John Krabby comes up in this, this, this interview we got here coming yes, this bit. that's right. Because on... Roxanne's new album, Radio Silence, they do what I thought when I heard it was a cover of Man in the Moon Yeah, by The Scream. And I was just like, man, that's just crazy and out of the blue. And then before we did the interview, you know, I was just looking up stuff and realized that Jamie Brown actually wrote this song. And you'll hear all about that. Great story. In this interview. Yeah. Great story. But yeah, so this band, Roxanne, had their debut album in 1988, kind of in the thick of the whole... Stuff we were just talking about, the Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison era, you know, and had some moderate success and then just decided they never did a second album. They kind of split up. As you'll hear about in this interview, they've not, they split up, but they've still been in contact. Yes. And they decided to get back together and record an album that came out about a year ago. And this album, Radio Silence, is, to put it in a one word, fantastic. Oh, it's a great album. Fun record to listen to. I mean, just riffs and jams. This is a good record. I still need to order that cassette. That's right. Yeah, it covers like all the bases of like classic rock, AOR, mm-hmm. 80s rock. Just It's just rock and roll is a good way to describe this thing because it just kind of, I mean, if you, if you like any form of classic rock, I can't see why you wouldn't love this album. Yeah. If you are of the ilk that frequents the IDL ballroom, right? Uh, this band checks all your boxes. Uh, you need to check them out. Yeah. And the album features appearances by Doug Pinnock. Of course. Ray Luger. Is that how you say his last name? I've always, I think so. That's how I've, I've always, always said it. Okay. Seen people, or heard people pronounce yeah. it. He's a drummer from Corn, And George Lynch. So there's some heavy, heavy firepower right there from them three. And you hear a lot of stuff in this interview as well about Doug Pinnock. So should we just jump into it? I think so. All right, let's get into this. This is Jamie Brown, lead singer of Roxanne. Silence has been out about a year now. Like, what are your thoughts now looking back on everything? And are you happy with the reception of it and everything? Yeah, um, you're right. It has been a year almost exactly. And um, 
we're really happy with the record and the response has been great actually and uh we're getting ready to start on the follow-up well how did the process come about deciding to get back together to make a second album was it a collective thing or was it like one of you reaching out to everybody or how'd that work um we're all pretty close and we've been playing together over the years doing different things not original music but covers and that sort of stuff and then um uh, I also do a, a music video production, so uh, I've been involved with a few different labels, and one of them was Rat Pack, and conversation came up with them about Roxanne, and if everybody was still around, and uh, we were, and so that's basically what led to the new record, was conversation with them, and, and I brought up the guys, hey, do you want to do a new record? And sure, and that's what we did, and then from that point, it actually took still took another three years to get it out. So from the point of them saying, yeah, let's do it, to writing it and tracking it and getting it out took three years. And was there ever, over the years, any talk of doing an album sooner? Um, yeah, but it was. Uh, it would have been kind of pointless. Um, we didn't have any outlet to release it and get it out of circulation, so... Uh, we just opted not to do it and went about our lives taking care of our families and that sort of thing and, and until the Rat Pack situation popped up. Uh, it didn't really make sense. Well, uh, you know, yeah. w w with that long in between, talk about staying true to your sound, but, you know, incorporating fresh stuff. Was that a challenge? Um, I don't know. I think um, in some ways it might have made it easier for us because we we kind of stay true because we just, just it, the, the the change in the sound it kind of just jumped right over us so so there was no struggle for us to you know remain the same we were the same nothing had changed it was uh, the same band and it was as if we had just you know finished the last record and gone to sleep for thirty years and woke up and did the second record. <laughs> So it all. So you're saying it all it felt that, it pretty natural. Oh, sorry, we're talking talking over each other there. Yeah, and you know it was awesome, but it was great to have the opportunity to have George Lynch and Doug Pinnock and Ray Lazier play on the record too. So um, that added a lot of flavor to what we had uh, set out to do. So it was a pretty natural process when you guys got back together. Like it all felt pretty, like easy to just jump right back into it, basically. Yeah, for the most part, you know, technology had changed a lot. You know, we were used to, we did a record, it was, you know, all analog. There was no Pro Tools at that point. And um, the writing process when you're 25 versus when you're 55 is a little bit different. You know, you can't really write about the same things. Right. Or, uh, you know, your, your, your worldview has changed a little bit in 30 years. So, um before we were kind of like, oh, that's a cool riff, and then what are we going to say? Oh, it doesn't matter what you say. It only matters how you say it. And then in this record, I was more concerned with what I was saying because I didn't say much on the first record. Well, you mentioned George and Doug and Ray. Like, had you did you know George or Doug back in the day, or was this more of a thing with their involvement with Rat Pack? How that came to be? Well, I had known Ray from Corn for. I don't know, 20 or 25 years. So I knew Ray for, you know, forever, basically. And Ray was an old Roxanne fan. And his, okay. his cover band, when he was living in Pittsburgh, covered a couple of songs off of the first Roxanne record. Then um, he moved to L.A., and that's when I met him. And we stayed friends from then. And obviously, he got the corn, the gig in corn. <laughs> and um, when uh, KXM put their thing together with Rat Pack and they were looking to do a video, Ray asked me to do the video. So that's what started my relationship there with George okay. and Rat Pack. And then as far as Doug, uh, I'd been a King's X fan since Out of the Silent Planet. So, you know, having the opportunity to, to uh, work on a KXM video and meet Doug and that was great. But then becoming friends and getting him to actually play on one song and sing on another, that was a, pretty much a dream come true for me. 
you had mentioned earlier, you know, you're involved in video production. Uh, that that has to uh, come in pretty handy uh, when doing your own videos because uh, some of these are the, that you've done so far are pretty cool. Yeah, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have five of them, right? You know, nobody, yeah. <laughs> nobody's got the budget these days for a, a, a basically a, a nobody band and doing five videos. So um, having owning that equipment and having access to that definitely made uh, that possible. It wasn't like they weren't free by any means, but it wasn't as if we were started from scratch. Are you involved with like the direction and the concept of these videos as well? Is that what you do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think right now, besides the Roxanne videos that are out, there's probably 45 or 50 other videos out that I've directed and uh, edited and produced. Some of them maybe I co-directed with somebody or, uh, you know, had some help, but pretty much, you know, did the whole thing on most of them. I know the, the quarter to four video just came out about a month ago, and I, I really dug the concept of having the characters sing the, sing the lines. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's kind of a kind of a natural for that song. That song I actually had written um, intended for the second Roxanne record. So that that I wrote probably in 1989, okay. 90 maybe, and um, it was just sitting there in the in the closet when we said, well, do we have anything old um, that we didn't get to use that we want to use on a record? So it was that one, and then Man in the Moon, I'd also written that in, I'm going to say 88 or 89, and then the Scream recorded that and released it in 92, I think, with John Karabi singing on it. So some people looked at that like, oh, they did a cover of the Scream song, and that's not completely accurate. So it's something that I had written back in the early 90s. When I first, I mean, John Crabbe is one of my favorite singers of all time. And when I heard that, I thought you guys covered it. And I started digging around and saw that you had, I saw that in another interview where you said you had written that. And so how did it get end up in the hands of the Scream? There was a, a period where, um, before they were called the Scream, it was basically Racer X, Paul Gilbert. And um, uh, at one point, I think it was about the time when Paul went off to do Mr. Big, the guys in Racer X thought, oh, you know, let's, let's try going a different direction. And they asked me to sing in the band. And so that was one of the songs that I had already written. I brought it in and said, well, I got this. And, you know, amongst some other new things that we wrote together, that was one of them. So we'd actually done a demo. And then Scott Travis, who was the drummer at that point, got the gig in Judas Priest and he left. And that was pretty much, you know, the, the exodus for all of us. And then they reformed, got John Karabi and Walt Woodward and formed the screen. And then when they were writing material for their record, they had a couple of those that we had done together and said, Hey, can we include man, the moon and one other one on the record? And that's how it ended up there. And the whole time since uh, Roxanne split to now, have you always been involved with music, or has it just been video production? Or yeah, um, since the uh, since we stopped doing Roxanne records and gigs, I guess I think we were probably still doing an occasional gig through '92 or something like that. But um, we had started a uh, a cover. We we always made a living doing covers prior to Roxanne doing original music, we did covers, but we didn't do your traditional top 40 covers. We would cover like the Partridge family or the Beatles or, or disco songs in a rock and roll way, these weird songs. And that's how we were paying our bills at the time. And, um, that's how we wound up doing a cover, play that funky music on the first Roxanne record because the label had seen us doing that show. So we want to include one of these weird covers you guys do. So, we put that on the record. And then when we went to tour for that record, we uh, turned that song into a medley of disco songs. And that turned into an entire show called The Boogie Nights. And so in 92, we started doing something called The Boogie Nights, where we would you know, have alter egos dress up in disco costumes and 
do choreography and the whole thing and do a whole night of disco songs as some other band called the Boogie Nights. And sometimes the Boogie Nights would open for Roxanne and sometimes Roxanne would open for the Boogie Nights. And then that took off to the point that um, we couldn't do anything else. We were so busy. So we've been doing that for 30 years and we've all managed to make a living doing that this whole time. Oh, wow. So you're saying that four of you have been doing that continuously? We have, oh, okay. we have, and then, um, and also every other musician friend that I had, I called in because we we couldn't fill all the gigs that we had, so we, you know, called all our musician friends and said, hey, copy us and do what we're doing, and whatever gigs we can't fill, we'll give them to you. And so we started a business called Perfect World Entertainment that does that, and now we have seven shows and a few hundred in the United States that. Uh, that work for Perfect World Entertainment, doing these weird cover shows wow. in their different cities. So, um, so we still do that too. That that had, that has to be a a fun thing to to reimagine these songs. Uh, I I, I kind of dig that idea. That's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was fun. I mean, it, you know, it gets gets on you after a while that you know you're lugging a suitcase full of weird costumes to the airport, and they wonder what is what's this for? What's this wig for? You know, <laughs> what you, what, yeah. And uh, why do you have these platform shoes in here? But um, um, yeah, it's definitely definitely fun, and it's great that you get to do it with an alter ego. So you know, we have you you don't get recognized. Oh hey, I saw you doing that disco thing. Nobody has any idea. It's the same guy. Well, they do now because I've been because I've been telling people. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned starting work on the the third album. Like, what's do you guys have a timetable for that, or when you're gonna get into the studio and that kind of thing? Well, um, we're already behind schedule. Um, just. We said, you know, we had we had to kind of lay it out. Okay, this is what we're going to do, and then we're going to start writing here, and then we're going to book the studio time out here, and we're going to get in, and and all, that whole schedule fell apart like it usually does. So right now, um, we we still got some shows that we're going to do as Roxanne, and once those are behind us, we're going to hunt it down on the on the writing for this record. We've everybody's been writing on their own and bringing in their ideas, but it doesn't really turn into anything until we're all together. And uh, so we got a couple of shows. We're going to be playing in Austin this Saturday and Dallas Sunday. And then we're going to be doing the, um, we're not going, we're not doing the Monsters of Rock cruise, but we're doing the Monsters of Rock pre-party. They have concert two nights before the, the uh, boat takes off in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And we're playing on night two. And so we're going to get that behind us in any of the shows we have between now and now. I think that's February 7th. Then we're going to go back in the studio for this record. Well, you mentioned you guys writing separately and coming together. Is that the way that it's always been done with you guys, or is that just like how it is now? Uh, that's how it is now because of the life that we're living and we're you know, all living in pretty far apart. We used to live together. You know, so writing again, it was easier now, and everybody's, you know, hours, if not states, apart. So everybody writes things, and then we'll get together, and we'll uh, turn on the tape deck and let it run while we play through the stuff, and then usually everybody will take off. I'll take those pieces and go, okay, how can I turn this riff or this thing here into a song? What's good about it? What's bad about it? How can I rearrange it? piece it together and then they'll come back and I'll go see what I made. And then we'll work on it again and keep doing that till we narrow it down to just the good parts. And, and you know, coming up, um, who were your guys? Who, who, who were your influences? It made you, made you want to even get involved with this in the first place. <laughs> um, you know, for me personally, I think the first, I had two older brothers that um, were also guitar players and, into music, so I got exposed to music that I might not otherwise have because of the age difference. So for me, I think the first uh, first record that I bought with my own money was Deep Purple Machine Head, and um, that that was a huge influence on me. And then I would say after that, probably um, Alice Cooper and the 
Beatles and Thin Lizzy and Cheap Trick. And uh, that was probably the nucleus for me. Um, and then, you know, later in the 80s, it was uh, after I heard King's X, nothing would come close. So, yeah. and I haven't heard anything since. And I haven't heard anything since then either. So, <laughs> Um, that's pretty much it for me. Other guys, uh, you know, they would have, they would have diff- similar, but different, probably more, uh, Rolling Stones and Aerosmith, uh, for them. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's insane how, I mean, Kings X should be way bigger than they are, you know? Yeah. But it's kind of nice, you know, for us as fans <laughs> yeah. that, you know, we can, we can go see them in a small club and stand right there and reach out, touch them. With, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's our own They're accessible. Thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And the tickets are cheap. Yeah, yeah that's very important. <laughs> for us. No, you know, not so much for them, but for us. Yeah, Who true, knows? Maybe true. that's going to change. I, I, I've, I've heard, I've heard, uh, I've heard three tracks off of their new record, and it's outstanding. So that Great, King's yeah. X fans are going to love it, and hopefully a bunch of people that – Never heard of them are going to love it as well. Yeah, I'm really glad they're putting a new one out. Yep. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I get to make the videos. Yeah. <laughs> well, being a part of band, being a part of a band that was around during that kind of heyday of the '80s rock scene, do you have any like great memories from LA, the Sunset Strip, that kind of thing? Well, I've tried to, well, the, the things that I can remember, I've tried to block out. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I have this memory. I wouldn't say it's a great one, but it's relevant to us doing another record and, and kind of the history here. Um, when we went to record that first record, um, we didn't have any good equipment really we we were kind of a, a poor band from the Inland empire kind of desert rats and we would borrow things when it mattered and you know play out play out of whatever junk we could get our hands on and but it was time to do a record and we needed something decent so we rented a drum set for that instead of playing the sears drum set that we had at the time and um i borrowed paul gilbert's marshall because i didn't have a decent guitar so paul lent me his uh, favorite marshall so we got the guitar all done. We're done with all the tracking, packed up the, the Marshall, and the head was in the, the trunk of our manager's car. That night, gets stolen out of the car. Oh, so now I not only still don't have a guitar, but now I owe Paul a thousand bucks for his <laughs> amp that I don't have. <laughs> so that's one of my one of my memories of uh, Hollywood in the eighties is Kevin Paul's head stolen out of our car. <laughs> he he actually told me I don't know about a year or so ago that somebody had found him on Facebook and they had bought that head on eBay and it had Paul's name inscribed inside. So he, they got a hold of Paul and said, "Hey, just your head. You want it back?" and that was the head, but he let the guy keep. He said, "No, you can have it." So, wow. I would have liked your. I would have liked to have it. He should have got it and given it to me. But. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Did he take it all right so, back yeah. then, or like how did he take it whenever he found uh, it? You know, <laughs> that he that guy is so mellow and I just takes everything and stride like, oh well, you know, whatever, just said. So. <laughs> I mean, I paid him for it, but still, <laughs> right, yeah. he, he could have been a lot more upset, but he wasn't upset at all. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned up front Rat Pack Records. Like, talk about working with them and how that experience has been, like, on the band side of things. Because I noticed that they really put a lot of effort into promoting their bands with a lot of bundles and everything. And they just seem like a great label to work with, I would assume. Yeah, um, Joe O'Brien, the the president of Rat Pack, has a really good philosophy um, for doing business these days on this level, uh, um, trying to sell music. You know, most rock music is stolen; it's not bought. And um, I think country music gets bought, and that's about it. And um, but rock fans haven't been as loyal as they probably should be you know they they steal get things for free or listen to spotify or whatever and that 
that kind of limits the number of options you're going to have for music. If there's, if you're not paying for it, there's nobody can afford to do it. Joe, um, being a fan of music, um, puts a lot of effort into the packaging. So there is some incentive to buy it and not just stream it. And we like that about it. We, we wanted to do a, we wanted to do vinyl. Joe wanted to do vinyl. We wanted to do a gatefold. Joe wanted to do a gatefold. So we wanted it to be that record that we used to buy when our moms would drive us to the warehouse. And we'd buy the record. And by the time we got home, we'd read every single letter inside on the jacket, on the sticker, everything. We'd read everything by the time we got home. So we wanted to make that kind of product. And that's what Rat Pack does. And it's been great for us. Yeah. Um, they put out the John Karabi record on cassette. So if you guys have a cassette, yeah. I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did cassette. Um, and then we did the vinyl. The vinyl has two songs less than the CD. The CD has two additional songs. And the reason was it would have, uh, you can only get 44 minutes on yeah. the vinyl without degrading the quality. So we opted to, take two off of the vinyl, but put a free download card in there. So if you did buy the vinyl, you could get the whole thing. You could download that too. It didn't cost you. Maybe you got other songs. Right. Um, I will look that up. For and sure. we did the cassette. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the vinyl, vinyl, it's like a red splatter vinyl. And it's got a, a nice, the sleeves have a lot of pictures. And there's just a lot of cool stuff in there. Um this next record, though, we're going to keep it to 44 minutes. <laughs> the whole thing this one was, this one was 50, 52. But we figured after 30 years, we, we can't just stop with, you know, eight songs. We can do more than eight. <laughs> cool, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to talk to us. For sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. There you go. Jamie Brown of Roxanne. Huge thank you to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotions. And of course, a huge thank you to Jamie Brown for taking some time out there to talk to us. Hell yeah. Um, it was a great conversation. Uh, learned a lot, found out a lot. So uh, go check these guys out. If you don't, I'm going to have Trent hit you over the head with a football helmet like that one dude the other day. <laughs> that one dude. The other and you don't want that. No. Oh, man. I wish this was a football podcast so I could go into that right now, but I'm not gonna, there's, there's no point. You know? I'm just saying, check out Roxanne. You will love them. This is a great record. Yeah. Radio Silence. Yeah, seriously. We can't say great, fantastic, amazing enough because this truly, like if, you know, I will admit to my ignorance that I this wasn't on my radar last year. Yeah. So if it was, I'm pretty sure it would have been in my top, you know, 18 of 2018 last of course, year because it was that good. So definitely give this thing a listen, and as you heard there, there should be another one coming here in the next year or two. So really looking forward to that. And something else I wanted to point out, like I've I've held on to this tidbit of information since that night. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to remember to say this, even though it's completely irrelevant and stupid. But we were talking about Doug Pennick, and then of course we talked a little bit about King's X, because you know he talked about the new album they're working on and all that, how we're looking forward to that. But like while we recorded that episode, I was wearing a King's X shirt and I realized it later that night. I was like, just what's the coincidence there? I, I mean, know. who'd have thought? What does that mean? Nothing. But here it is. No, there's a hell of it. And you're just like, why did you waste 40 seconds saying that? Hey, that's okay. That's <laughs> all right. But no, here's something that's not a waste of time. If you are listening to this, you're a first time listener, like some Roxanne, we've had quite a few bands on this podcast that... I think fall under the same, along the same lines that you might like. Oh yeah, uh, Europe, Bullet Boys, Trickster, um, fucking Firehouse, Warrant, Junkyard, Mark Slaughter. Yeah, Mark Slaughter. L.A. Guns, both Tracy Guns and Phil Lewis. That was a great one. Fat on Frank Hannon from Tesla. Kicks. Yeah. Fat on like pretty much the whole band of Kicks was on this yes. podcast. We had on Chris McCarvel, who's the bass player for Dokken. Lily Steve Blaze from Lillian Axe. Taiketto. Chris Green, that guitarist is that was, yeah, fucking phenomenal record. Man, do you remember that night we had Stevie Blaze from Lillian Axe on? Yeah. We like we fucking we we met him in the lobby. 
and we were like trying to figure out where to go do this, you know, and like some fucking drunk douchebag like fucking punched his girlfriend. Remember that shit? And like totally another forgot. dude t- tackled him. Yeah. And like all the cops and the security guards just fucking, they just, just mounted this guy and just waylaid on him. Yeah. And Stevie Blaze was like, I think we better find another place to do this. <laughs> that shit was crazy. Yeah, because then I remember he went backstage <laughs> looking for a spot, and there's like he's like, there's no closed rooms, so we just went out and did it in the back parking lot yeah. of the bomb factory. He was like, I'll meet you guys out back. <laughs> that was nuts. Which the bomb factory is a great place. That's an amazing place to see a show. Yeah. But yeah, Lillian Axe, there is a, an underrated band. And just a yes. random side note, I saw a thing... Just a few days ago, that said that I don't know that it's out yet, but they're about to release a special edition flash drive okay. that has everything that's ever been recorded by Lillian Axe or Steve Blaze. Wow. Like the entire discography of Lillian Axe, it's like in the teens on how many albums they have, all the live albums, all the compilations, and then all this solo stuff. And it's only like 60 bucks. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about if you buy all this shit separately, this would probably be 200 bucks worth yeah, or right. more. You know, so nice. Well, yeah. you know, they'll sell a few of those for sure. Yeah. But yeah, besides that ilk of music, we've recently had on a couple different members from Clutch. We've had on guys from Kill Switch Engage, Prong, COC, Super Joint, Crowbar, Life of Agony, Typo yes. Negative. Yes, very recent. Yes. I, forget, I always forget the most recent ones, you know, because yeah. I'm so used to saying all the other stuff. Exactly. But. Seven Dust. Yep. Megadeth. Megadeth. Kiss. Kiss. Oh, and another one from that era I forgot to mention was Def Leppard, because we had on Vivian Campbell. Yeah, hell yeah. So check that out. All that stuff. It's all at soundcloud.com backslash thunderdash underground. You can listen to everything on iTunes, Google Music, Tuner, Tuner, TuneIn, Stitcher, (laughs) Mixcloud, and you can also listen to it straight off our website at thethunderunderground at (laughs) gmail.com. That's our email. TheThunderUnderground.com, but that website, TheThunderUnderground.com, you can find reviews. Jason recently did one on a band called Hysteria. Yes. Which we played a track of theirs on the Kenny Hickey episode just a couple weeks ago. What a great fucking record. Yeah. So look that up, read that, check that band out. And you can also find all our social medias on there as well. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we're on YouTube at the Thunder Underground, subscribe there because we put up videos of us reviewing recent releases. We did Mark Michael Sweet's recent album, Dream Theater's newest album earlier this year. All kinds of reviews of albums, singles, concerts, etc. So check that out as well. And I guess that covers it. Alrighty. Alright. So thanks again to Jamie Brown, Med Farm, and DEB Concerts. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.